0: Today, I want to talk about our duty and our privilege to be able to encourage one another. Have you been encouraged lately? I'm sure if you thought of it just for a couple of seconds, you would think of ways that you have been encouraged. I still remember a number of years ago, my son, who was four at the time but is now a lot older, came into our bedroom, and it's it's amazing how certain things, certain little things which may be little to some people are big to others sort of stick in your mind but I remember one time he came into uh, our bedroom first thing in the morning I was still a little bit groggy with a contraption he had gotten up earlier that he had made out of Lego and he said this without, you know just one sentence at a time without waiting even for an answer to his question he said, hey daddy this is for you You know what it it is? It's a trophy. You know why? Because you're such a good daddy. Now, that is an encouraging thing to hear, first thing in the morning. In fact, it's so encouraging that I still remember it so many years later. Encouragement can come in a number of different forms. Many times it comes just like that, through what someone says. Proverbs 16.24 says this, Pleasant words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There's sweetness and there is healing in an encouraging word. I'm sure all of you can think of times when someone has said something, when someone has done something that has encouraged you, right at the time when you were maybe discouraged, right at the time when you were maybe exhausted or tired and it has been for you, exactly like that verse says. It's been like sweet honey, or like healing to the bones. It, it can literally make the aches go away, those aches of life. William Barclay has said that one of the highest human duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at men's ideals, he continues on. He says it's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers, but we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many times a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word, end quote. Sure, we could all say amen to that. Well, this morning I want to talk about our Christian duty and our Christian delight to encourage one another. You might be surprised to know that encouragement is a concept that's scattered throughout the Bible. The word is used almost 140 times in the New Testament alone, and it has a wide range of meanings. But I think you might also be surprised to find out that it's not limited to what we think it means. When we think of encouragement, it basically means to, uh, to lift someone's spirits, to make someone feel better through whatever means possible. And it definitely includes that in the Bible, but it's also a whole lot more than that. The Greek word for the encouragement is parakaleo. Literally means to to call beside. Para beside, kaleo means to call, to call beside or or to come alongside someone. It does carry the idea of giving comfort in some places, but mostly it means to to beg or to entreat to exhort, to urge. It means to get beside someone and plead with them to do something. When this word is used in the Bible, there's usually a sense of urgency to it. It's usually a call to listen up. It's used when someone wants to get someone else's attention, when they want to say something important, when they beg someone to do something or to not do something they might see a direction that someone is going and they want to say something to them that might change that direction or make them think about the direction in which they're going. It's translated as urge in Romans 12.1 when Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, there's the word, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. When Peter preaches... Really the first sermon of the church in Acts 2 verse 40, he sa- it says he kept on exhorting them. It's the word again saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Peter is pleading, he's encouraging them to be saved, to change the direction of their lives, to be transformed. In Acts 14 verse 22, Paul and Barnabas are encouraging the churches to continue in the faith. Again, there's an urgency there. Keep going in the faith. Don't stop. Keep at it. My favorite usage of that word is in 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says there, we beg you, that's the word, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's this urging and this pleading and this, this begging that I want you to picture when you think of encouraging one another. When we encourage one another, it's because we sense that something important needs to be addressed and we want someone to listen to us. And so we want to look at three passages this morning. This isn't as much as a time like we usually do to spend in one passage. We're going to look at three different ones that use these words, encourage one another. And we'll find that as we go through these, that encouragement is an indispensable task for anyone and everyone who is part of the church. We need to be encouragers. We must encourage one another. This is not a suggestion. It's a command, and it's a command because there's a lot at stake. And so, encouragement is not an option. In the church, we have a responsibility to one another. You may not know this, but once you joined the church and the church in general, which happens at conversion, once you became a Christian, you immediately received the job description. That's what all of the one another's in the New Testament are all about. And there are a lot of them, this is only one. They tell you how you ought to treat each other in the context of the church. And one of those jobs is to encourage one another. And so as we walk through these three passages, you'll start to see why encouragement is such a necessary and such an indispensable task. By being encouragers, the Bible tells us that we will accomplish three things. First, by encouraging one another, we will help each other prevail in the battle with sin. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to look at a number of verses in Hebrews this morning, but just three verses for now. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now in the verses just before this in Hebrews 3, the writer talked about how Israel didn't believe God. There was a spirit of unbelief there and they complained to God in spite of the fact that he had done miracle after miracle while they were wandering in the desert. And here he's warning his readers not to be like those Israelites way back then. He's, he's telling them now to learn a lesson from those people. Learn a lesson on what not to do. Let them be your object lesson. Don't repeat the same mistake. Don't get caught in the trap of unbelief. And in verse 13 he says, Don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's an interesting connection that he makes there between unbelief and encouragement. We can all come to church here on Sundays and look pretty good. We can all appear on the surface to have it all together and to even look very holy. But let's not fool ourselves. All of us, if we would be willing to admit it, are in a constant battle with sin. We are in a fight for holiness. Sin is just one little slip away. It's always crouching at the door ready to pounce if we ever let our guard down. We're susceptible to falling, captive to sin 24-7. And sin is deceitful. That word there in verse 13 means trickery. Sin is tricky. It, it always masks itself. It, it usually parades itself as something good. Something fulfilling. It's enticing. It's deceitful. But did you notice what we have as an armor to fight the battle? Look again at verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another, exhort one another, so you don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're in a battle. The people sitting on each side of you today are in an ongoing struggle and fight and combat against sin. But the God-appointed means to help those people fight that battle is for you to encourage them. You need to be an encourager. You need to beg and to plead and to urge and to exhort people in this battle. You need to get alongside them. Sometimes you might need to get right in front of them. If you're in the middle of this battle with sin, your armor to fight that battle includes other Christians as you encourage one another. Do you know a fellow believer that's struggling? Maybe even with, some, with a sin of some sort? Maybe you see that sin affecting his or her family or affecting his and her finances or or just plain affecting his or her emotional well-being. I challenge you maybe to call that person up. Just to touch base. And to let them know that you're praying for them. But also to beg and to appeal for them to get back to God. Don't just sit back and let a fellow believer drift away from God. Get beside them. Get in their face. Exhort them. Beg them. Plead with them. That's encouragement. That's what the church is for. We need to encourage one another so that it says here, none of you get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We want to ensure that people have are soft to their sin. In other words, that they are willing to hear from others, to change the direction of their lives, and not to get hardened so that when someone comes up to them, they just put, their, put the fence up right away and say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. But That's what can happen if we don't encourage one another. I also want to make sure you take note of how often we need to encourage one another there. Does it, does it say just once in a while? Does it say just on Sundays? No, it says encourage one another when? Day after day. That's why I say this is a constant battle. It's an ongoing battle that calls for ongoing encouragement. Encouragement is God's preventative medicine against unbelief, against deception, against the hardness of heart. So make an effort to get involved in someone else's life and make sure you take your relationship to a level that goes beyond surface stuff. Ask people how they're growing in godliness. Ask them if they're struggling with anything. Find out if they're battling with lust or with a relationship or with jealousy or with greed or with coveting or with any number of things that could be sin issues. And then encourage them. Let them know that they can prevail with God's help. By being encouragers, you can help each other overcome in the battle with sin. This is the means that God has given us to do that, each other. Secondly, we help each other press on in the faith. We need other Christians to help us keep on going in our faith and sometimes to give us a kick in the pants. We've already seen this in Hebrews 3.12. Take care that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day by day. God has designed the church to help each other not develop an unbelieving heart. But if you flip ahead a few chapters to Hebrews 10 you'll see this same command shows up once again. Hebrews chapter 10. Again, verses 23 to 25 here. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. There's another one of the one another's in the New Testament. Stir one another up. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. But here it is, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. The writer says here, we ought to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So that means that that could happen in people's lives. There's a danger of wavering. And here he's saying, stick with it. Don't waver. Press on. How do we do that? By stimulating one another to love and good deeds. Stimulating can also be translated spur one another on or to stir up one another. It's almost the idea of jabbing or or provoking or agitating, irritating. Spurs are used to urge a horse to go forward or to go faster. And they do that by irritating the horse with spurs. And so to spur one another on means to say something or to do something that gives someone else the heart or the courage to do something. And in this verse it says we ought to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we're able to press on in our faith when other people get us to put our faith into action by helping us serve others rather than ourselves. I know what it's like to be encouraged with love and good deeds. I'm sure all of you have been, at some point, a recipient of love and good deeds. The floods in southern Alberta this year reminded me of 2005 when we lived down in Okotoks and our basement got flooded. And during those days, we were the recipients of love and good deeds from others. First, I remember one lady came to take care of our children. We had two boys back then, and, and, and they were as... Boys that age try to do, very willing to help and wanting to help. But you can imagine what it's like with a four-year-old and a two-year-old helping when we're, when we're frantically trying to get everything outside out of the basement and upstairs. They can get in the way sometimes. Then later, Marlene and I were bailing out water. It was just the two of us now. Someone had kindly taken care of the two boys. But Marlene and I were bailing out water, but it was coming in faster than we could get it out. And we never had a pump, we never had anything. We were just using buckets and running upstairs or outside and and getting rid of the water. But finally, at one point, Marlene, I remember this, looked at me and said, I think we need help. (laughs) So we started calling people, and, and every person we called came over in a matter of minutes. Sometimes it's hard for German people to call for help, but we did. And they came. And when they came, we finally started getting ahead of the water. But listen, those sorts of love and good deeds are sources of encouragement. They, they encourage me in my faith. They help me hold fast to my hope and to press on in my faith. I love that this church spurs each other on in this way too. I've seen it happen in countless ways as recently as in the last five days when tragedy hit one of our families. People rally together to help, and to serve, and to encourage. And I remember at one point in the service, sitting up here, something else was happening and thinking about all the different areas that people were covering to help make this funeral service happen and to serve this family. But that's what being the church is all about. We are a family of adopted kids brought together by God. And we can't spur on each other if we don't meet together. And so it says in the next verse, in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's what being a Christian looks like. Christians encouraging other Christians in their faith, everyone encouraging everyone in their walk with God. It's like outdoing yourselves to encourage one another. And so I would exhort and encourage you today to keep meeting together. Keep assembling. First, you ought to be meeting together whenever the church meets. That should go without saying. But, but you should also meet together at other times. Like I said before, from, back from chapter 3, verse 13, we need to be meeting together for encouragement day by day. And so don't get into the habit of, of not meeting together. We can get into that habit so easily with, with the so-called busy lives that we lead and with this culture of uh, individualism that so pervades our society. But that's not the way the Bible envisions Christianity. Christianity is people serving one another, and loving one another, and forgiving one another, sometimes bearing with one another, and praying for one another, comforting one another. We need to meet together so that we can do those things, so that we can encourage each other to press on in our faith. So take that as an action step from this passage. Ask yourself if you are in the regular habit of meeting together with other Christians to encourage and to be encouraged in faith and love. If not, then resolve to start right now. Hebrews 10 tells us to meet together. Meet in homes. Meet at work. Meet at the coffee shop or at a restaurant. Do not forsake assembling together. And again, when you meet, encourage each other in spiritual things. You need other Christians so that you don't become discouraged in the faith and so that you can encourage others in their faith. We need each other. We need fellowship with one another. We need to encourage one another. So by encouraging, we help each other prevail in the battle with sin. We help each other press on in the faith. And finally, by encouraging, we help each other persevere to the end. As I read Hebrews 10.25... You already saw that in there. Look again at verse 25. Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and here it is, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here you really start to see the urgency, the necessity of encouragement that I was talking about before. Uh, This idea of the end is also in, in Hebrews 3 verse 14. You might have noticed it there. Encourage one another day by day so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our our assurance firm until the end. Encouragement helps people endure to the end. God in his wisdom designed it so that daily encouragement from other Christians helps us to endure and to persevere until Jesus Christ comes again. Persevering in the faith, enduring to the end, is in a sense a community project. This is another thing that we don't do and we can't do as well on our own. I remember watching the end of marathons and sometimes seeing people come right up beside their friend or, or right up beside their spouse or their, or their mom or their dad and, and saying, come on, you can do it. You're almost there. That's what it's like in this race called the Christian life. Sometimes we need to get right up beside our our brothers and our sisters and Christians who might be struggling and say, come on, keep going, don't give up, don't go down that direction, you can make it. God guards us for that final salvation, but he has chosen to do that in part through the Christian community, through the church. Well, there's one final passage that uses these words, encourage one another. And it has to do exactly with that. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. You can turn there. There at the end of a section, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Well, as you know by now, when you see a therefore, you kind of have to look back a little bit and ask what that therefore is there for. What is it looking back to? Well, it all goes back to the day of the Lord. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 13, there's a section on, on the rapture. And in chapter 4, verse 18, it says the same thing again. Therefore, encourage one another. Here we have this section now that's bracketed on each end by those three words encourage one another so there must have been something that these people needed encouragement about And my own opinion is that these people were unsure about the second coming they were afraid about what would happen at the end which is probably a healthy fear to have they were a little anxious about the end times and so Paul takes some time here to reassure them that they're gonna be okay Paul's main encouragement in that section is that for those who are Christians, they need not be anxious about the end. And so in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, We will always be with the Lord. And then starting in chapter 5, verse 4, Paul makes a series of contrasts between what he calls children of the day and children of the night. Day children and night children. He says, those that are Christians are day people, and unbelievers are night people. And he says in verse 8, Since we belong to the day, as believers, let us be sober. Let us have self-control. 4, verse 9, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 4, verse 10, we live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another. These Christians, Paul was saying, did not need to be anxious about judgment. And by extension, you do not have to be anxious about judgment judgment if you are a believer in Christ there's no reason to be discouraged there's no reason to doubt this passage is written so that Christians would be comforted and that non-Christians would be warned and so if you are if you are a Christian your destiny is not for wrath but for salvation the final application of salvation which is glorification you have a different destiny Romans 5.9 says, Since we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Back in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10, same thing. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. So if you know other Christians who are anxious about death, who are anxious about judgment, you can use God's Word here to encourage others with these things. Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's what Hebrews 10 tells us. As things get closer to the end, we need to be even more vigilant and more committed to encourage one another. You can encourage people with the certainties of God's word. Well, God has designed the Christian life so that we receive encouragement from two angles. One is vertically from God, and the other is horizontally from one another. That is part of the reason that you are part of the church, to give encouragement and to receive encouragement. It's that second level that we, as a church, as church leaders, want to be able to equip you to do. So let me repeat that again. One of the things we want to be able to do for you who are part of this church is to provide an environment where you can all be encouragers where you can be doing this all the time day after day that's why our desire as a church is to provide care groups and and bible studies where believers can get together that's why we have our wednesday night prayer meeting where believers can get together to encourage one another through prayer in september we're going to be starting a a weekly men's bible study The ladies have their own study on Wednesday where they gather together and one of their purposes, I've seen this, is to encourage one another as they study God's word. It's always around the study of God's word. And so we want to be able to meet, we want you to be able to meet regularly with other Christians in a a group small enough to allow you to give and to receive encouragement from God's word by God's people. We want to encourage you to have planned gatherings for the purpose of exhortation. And the goal of these sorts of regular meetings will be to arm you to fight the fight of faith and to be fired up to have to, towards love and good deeds. So we're trying to do that. We're trying to help you with this. But in the meantime, I would exhort you and encourage you to go ahead and take the initiative and to find some fellow believers to encouragement, to encourage, to give encouragement to don't wait for the church to start another ministry. Be an encourager. Find someone to whom you can give courage, to urge to come alongside. To you might want to attach the word to disciple to that. And do it now. Make it an urgent priority. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't be content just to do it on Sundays. In our preaching and in our worship every Lord's Day, our goal is to give you courage and to plead with you and to help you walk with God. But that alone is not enough. When Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10 tells us to encourage one another, it has in mind more than preaching. First of all, it says encourage one another. That's not talking about preaching. That's talking about everyone being involved and coming alongside one another. And then it says encourage one another day by day. That cannot happen in preaching. That's not just once a week. The battle for sin happens every day. People need to be encouraged to press on every single day. One of the means of grace, talked about those earlier, that we have been given by God is each other. We have the preaching of the Word. We have worship. We have baptism. We have the Lord's Supper. But God, in His kindness, has placed us into a church. And He has placed us into a church so that we would build one another up. Mutual encouragement is a means that God has given to the church by which Christians grow to be more like Christ. He's done that because we need each other. Oh yes, our priority is to grow in our personal relationship with God. But God has given us other people with whom we walk together, side by side, through this journey we call the Christian life. So find a few other people with whom you can meet regularly to encourage them in the fight for enduring faith and to be encouraged. We need each other so that we can prevail against the battle against sin, so that we can press on in the faith, and so that we can persevere to the end and be prepared for the second coming. Please do not discard or take for granted or take lightly this important means of grace given to us by God himself. Encourage one another day by day as long as it is still called today. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that when when you saved us by your grace that you called us into the church we were, as it were, orphans and you brought us into a family at a great cost to your Son. What a great blessing. And What wonderful grace. We thank you that you have now called us and equipped us to look out for the interests of others, to be outward-looking rather than inward-looking. Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us to take an interest in those people sitting around us, that we would recognize how desperately it is that we need one another as we live the Christian life, as we walk the Christian walk. Help us to seek out people to encourage so that they might grow in their relationship with you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.